Welcome to episode 139 of the Lifestyle Chase, and I've brought back Nick Sorrell and Austin Current for a bit of a roundtable conversation. So let's start off with Austin. How are you doing today? What's something crazy that's happened in, in the last couple hours? Uh, doing well. Last couple hours? Um, yeah. Absolutely nothing. Uh, so just working, drinking too much coffee, uh, the typical morning as far as things go uh here in kentucky so um yeah nothing nothing too special the last couple of hours <laughs> how about you nick uh <laughs> kind of the same um i did a bunch of emails this like right before we got on the phone so i was like racing the clock so that was kind of hype in the most boring way possible um that's really about it. Oh, and then my roommate, I was trying to tell him like, hey dude, I'm on a podcast, don't, <laughs> don't be loud. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, season two. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. So that's that's about it. That's awesome. Um, so to give the, the audience some backstory, both of these guys have been on the Lifestyle Chase before, so you get a little bit of... Um, context to who they are what they're about what their origin story is and just some cool things to to teach you more about them but we recorded those before COVID-19 before everything happened um expectation versus reality let's start with you Nick like what was your expectation for the last period of time and what's what's been your reality and how what are your reflections from that during like the period of covid and all this stuff yeah or even just like this year just as a summary kind of thing so far so okay so one takeaway i had from like covid specifically is like so like when when shit hit and a lot of people were like really uh heavily affected and then people that weren't quite affected weren't sure if they were going to be there's like a lot of confusion and stuff like that i remember during a lot of exchanges with people because I wasn't affected like financially or with my job or anything like that. And I would assume you guys are, well, you do a lot of in-person training, so maybe, maybe you were, but, um, I, I felt a lot of guilt initially because people would send me emails and they'd be telling me about their week and how shitty things were. And they're like, how are you? And I, I felt bad saying like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I, I was also seeing my girlfriend at the time and she had a home gym. So I still got to work out and all this other stuff. So it was weird because I, felt almost guilty that I, I wasn't affected or so I thought, but as time went on, I started to get like, like super, uh, like irritable and just like, uh, like worn down and things like that. And I started to realize like, like that we were all affected by this just because of like, it changed the tone of so many people that it's hard not to, it, it almost like takes on like a viral, no pun intended, like effect. And, I think like that has been the tone at least that I've realized this year that I, I struggled with was like not being contagious to everything going on, whether it be like 
COVID and how hard that has hit people and also like politics and all the craziness going on with that and you know the the social or the the civil rights stuff um so i think like this year has been real real weird in terms of like there's so many things that affect us that we don't even realize are affecting us you know what i'm saying especially political shit you know you just get drawn into it, it fucks up your head and stuff um so i think that's been one thing that kind of caught me off guard that i thought i was aware of but and but i wasn't you know yeah definitely like when you say like thought you're aware of and then you weren't like it's I can totally relate because it's will seem like we're fine or we're, we're like oh yeah made it did a lot of big projects this year or made a lot of big accomplishments and then you realize like subliminally how much uh, the energy of people can impact or uh, the changes in dynamics of how we communicate or or things like that um, just yeah. I mean for for me just the lack of high fives like no high fives, <laughs> no handshakes, a lot of like different social interactions are, are lacking. So Austin, what are, what are your thoughts? Like what, what's happened for you? What's life been like? Yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty much building upon what Nick went over. A lot's been the same. Uh, as far as work goes, my professional life, I, I'm grateful that I'm mainly online or solely online. And uh, I had a couple of projects kind of come up this year that take a lot of time, uh, but are a blessing in that regard where uh, I get to contribute positively to the greater good of a of an industry I feel with these with this one particular project I'm uh, talking about. and it's that's been a cool thing. Uh, just kind of wrap my head around. I was, sort of uh taken off course as far as momentum went uh with coaching and clients and stuff like that uh i think as we all are to some extent um and you know that was interesting to kind of get through but i i was grateful that you know whether financially things are you know obviously probably not going to be the same at the end of the year the the amount of meaningful good work I can produce is going to be similar and or probably greater because I've been able to take some steps back from just working one on one with clients and been able to pour more time into content creation and working on some really cool projects. So um, that's been a cool part of it uh, to kind of build upon what Nick said is from like a social aspect. I think I wouldn't say I'm the most social person to begin with. Um, I would, I would say I'm social in regards to like intimate settings, but I'm, I'm, I've never been the one to go out and be out and be seen. And that's just not really in my personality and it never really has been. But one thing that's been really interesting to kind of build upon kind of what Nick was saying was the, the way we're socially interacting is, is much different and the hostility from people. I mean, just being in a grocery store, for example, uh, being in Kentucky, um, you know, being in the middle of the United States, it, majority, you know, I won't make this too political, but the majority sort of red underpinnings um, and backbone of the way that people think uh, around these parts of the world, uh, 
you know, there are, every time I go to the store, at least, I would say at least 10%, if not more at this point, still are not cooperating with just wearing masks and socially distancing uh, properly. And uh, I was actually in uh, the store, uh, Nick will appreciate Kroger. I was in a Kroger. And um, so a person, uh, I guess, so I was in the store when it's happened, but I wasn't in the aisle. Uh, but I, I heard about it, obviously, through the echo of, man, what just happened. So, and ironically, the guy who told me and uh, kind of joked about it wasn't wearing a mask. So that was fun. But he, apparently someone approached someone in an aisle that wasn't wearing a mask and they, they weren't respecting their distance. And so the person that apparently was uh, sort of in an uproar about this situation started to throw pickle bottles and all punch of glass and basically just trash the aisle, um, which, you know, an outbreak, obviously there's, there's, there's underpinnings to why they're reacting this way. Right. It had nothing probably to do with the fact that this, in, in, in like this particular situation, right. It's probably an uproar of like pent up expression that they're just taking out on this individual sort of like road rage, <clears throat> but you know, it was, it was this, it was the aisle 10 rage. And, um, <clears throat> that's been an interesting thing. Just the, the social interaction has been so different. And I would say another thing that I've noticed, obviously the only place I'm really going publicly right now is the grocery store. So, um, that's where most of my interactions are. So, uh, that's where most of my examples come from, but basically, you know, I, my stature, I, I come off as sort of like, uh, I, my stature, I can come off as sort of, I don't want to say abrasive, but just sort of like blunt. Like I, I, I sort of have a, I would say a resting bitch face as far as things go, but like now that, but I, I'm typically one to meet you with like, Hey, if you got in my way, I'm typically the first person to smile and just be like, Hey man, no, no worries. It's fine. Like we're totally cool in this, in this scenario. And I'd say I have a very light way about me in the way that I sort of put myself out into the world. Um, but if you just saw me standing there, you know, I, I would probably look rather intimidating to a, a person that I would look very sort of off-putting as far as like he's unapproachable, if, if I'm making sense there. Um, but if you approach me, like, again, I'm the first one to smile and be very light, lighthearted and, and open about that interchange. And, you know, you could probably run over my foot and break my toe and I'll still probably smile and say, I'm sorry for doing that um, or getting in your way or something. You know, it's just, it's that, it's, I don't know what it is, but that's just the way I am. But that's been sort of stripped away because I'm wearing a mask and all you can see is my eyes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's, and obviously I'm getting to the point here, but that's been the biggest weird thing for me is I have this stature I have this sort of demeanor, the way I, I, I sort of walk and um, I conduct, like I, I carry myself in a certain way, sort of naturally. Um, that's usually balanced out by you being able to see my face and see that I'm happy and smiling and lighthearted and like not serious. Um, but that's sort of been stripped away. And so that empathic sort of undertone has been 
stripped away, which has been super weird because, um, you know, I'll notice more and more that people are, you know, if they get in my way or, uh, since everyone's super like, you know, we, we're not moving the same either, mm -hmm. right. Through the, you know, through the aisles and through the storks, we're trying to like keep our distance and we're, we're making some weird, like really different calculated decisions socially. And so like, if you, and I, I've run into more people with a cart or they've run into me more than I have in my whole life over the past eight months. And, you know, the, the interchanges and reactions you get from people now are just so much different. Yeah. And, you know, people are very quick to just be like, Oh my God, I'm so, so, so sorry. Like, like I'm going to attack them, mm -hmm. but cause they can't see my face. They yeah, just see crazy. my eyes. And it's just like this piercing, I, I, you know, I have these piercing sort of blue eyes, like these, <laughs> you know, facing front predator eyes. And it's just like, I'm, I'm smiling under the mask, but you can't see it. And then I got this big beard under, you know, that's sort of coming out of my mask. And it's just, it's, it's super funny, man. And uh, yeah, so professionally pretty much the same, but socially it definitely some weird, um, some weird things to get used to. And sort of the, the empathic nature to humans, I think is being sort of stripped back um, to a certain extent. Well, I mean, I totally relate to a lot of that, like the whole grocery store experience. I mean, that's where I'm getting a lot of my social interactions and I'm finding that I have to smize more, like smile with my eyes because um, otherwise they don't know. And so it's like being aware of like, OK, what looks like uh, like resting bitch face and what looks like happy kind of thing. And uh, just the actions that we can take day to day, just I saw a post on social media a while back and it was like there are still ways to hold the door open for people while still being like uh, physically distant. Like there, there's still things that we can do. We can still um, be courteous when we're finding our parking spot or be careful when like because more people are walking outside, we can kind of be careful when we're commuting to wherever we have to commute to and not like run over people in a crosswalk kind of thing. But I, I found that uh, we, we don't become aware of all of these little tiny things until the point where we get kind of knocked on our butt. And at the start of the podcast, I asked you both like the weirdest question of like, what's happened to you in the last two hours? And I'll give you some context as to why that kind of popped into my head, because I, I was doing some very deep thinking this morning. Um, when I first woke up, I was out of coffee and so I had to go and pick up some coffee like typically I will make like um, my own ground coffee use a French press but today I was out of that and I was like well if I'm gonna have this uh, very deep conversation on a podcast I'm gonna need my caffeine and so I go to my car and the tires low so I filled it up my car was parked like two blocks away from my condo because they're doing construction in the area and I'm filling up the car and cars are going like flying past me, like 20 kilometers per hour over the speed limit. Um, and then I get to the coffee place and they hand me the cup and they're like, okay, have a good day. And I was like, oh man, like it's dripping on me. And I said in the cup holder and the coffee cup had a hole in it. And then <laughs> I get parked at my place and Again, there was very little parking, so I had to park far away. And I went through all of this, and I was like, you know, like, every every time that something's inconvenient, 
it it's not necessarily like holding me back it's it's helping me realize like missing context it's making me better at communications helping me realize like if if i want something I, i've got to ask for it like if if i want to have like a better a better experience in the morning i have to set myself up for it like whether that be um planning for a more advantageous parking spot like um assessing the situation for what it is and understanding what what time do i have to park on the street to get a parking spot that's closer or making the most of it looking at the the environment like for me it made me appreciate my neighborhood a lot more because i was like walking down the sidewalk with the sunrise and like i never even like looked at it that way and then even for um the coffee just like understanding that yeah there was like a hole in the cup and i could have just like gone back and asked for for a new coffee or i could just be like you know what like whatever like what actually happened is i had another coffee cup in my car and i was able to kind of like salvage it a little bit like once i realized it was leaking but it's just like usually whenever like something bad happens i find that it teaches us a lot about uh what's missing like we already have everything that we need to take that next step or to make progress. And it's just about um, having that uh, rude awakening to um, realize that like it, it takes some work and we know what we need to do to take to put in the work. So it's like uh, just like following a workout program. Like if you follow it to a T, you get a positive outcome. If you cherry pick your favorite items or you aren't pushing yourself to the rate of perceived exertion that is kind of expected or your lifestyle habits aren't congruent with progress. Like I like when I see someone uh, program something just brutal on a Monday because it influences people to usually drink less on the weekend. Cause it's like really tough yeah. to do that Monday workout. Um, I think I saw, it, it might have been Dr. Pat Davidson that posted something like that. And just like, I was like, you know, that is so smart because like if somebody wants gains more than they want, like that, that feeling of relief or, or that buzz or that party or that gathering, if they want gains more, they will subconsciously make the, the choice to um, practice more moderation. And so by setting up obstacles like that that make us make the better choices is kind of it, it helps us to make better choices for ourselves in an independent way and i've gone off on a bit of a tangent here but nick was talking about uh some of his introspection that he's experienced with um feeling like you you're talking about how you felt like you were taking up space kind of thing and yeah. That really got me thinking. So I'd like to, to hear you expand a bit more on that and like how perhaps it's it's given you an opportunity to reflect on, on how you will look at things going forward sort of thing. Yeah. So first, I think uh, what you said about, you know, an obstacle, like providing the chance for reflection. I think that's, and I hadn't really thought of it until you said that. I think a lot of times we see something bad and then there's like a, like an effect and we think that they're like direct, like one for one, like one leads to the other. Like, for example, like, like COVID for example, wasn't necessarily what to just use as, as an example, that everybody's familiar with not to make it like political, but COVID is not the reason that our, our economy took a big hit. 
like necessarily a lot of it's because like we weren't prepared for it right we didn't know how to handle it. a lot of people a lot of places that people worked at like didn't know how to work remotely and things like that um and then sure enough people found workarounds and ways to make it you know happen and stuff like that so i think a lot of times like we confuse the manifestation of the problem for the problem and really there's a problem in between that's actually the issue like um and i thought that was interesting but yeah so i recently bought a house moved into a new house and i had to save my parents during like the gap between and i started to realize like while it was cool you know it was fine i didn't have a lot of space to work necessarily and i started to realize like i constantly felt like i was in the way you know what i'm saying and that was one of the reasons i was ready, ready to get out of there i was like you know, I just wouldn't have my own space to work and things like that. And I started to realize also that like, like there was no reason for me to feel like I'm in the way. Cause I literally, well, I was like tucked away in the basement and stuff like that. Like, like, you know, like, and I, I started to realize that there's been many times in my life for some reason, I don't know why that when I'm in someone else's place, I just feel like I'm in the way. And so I brought it up earlier. Like, I don't, I still actually don't know what really the reason is, but I don't know why I impose it on myself. Cause at the same time, I totally fucking realize that I'm not in the way, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's weird how we can, I don't know, do that to ourselves. Like, like put these weird, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know. Stipulations, whatever. Yeah, it's super strange. But yeah, that's that's what I was talking about before we got going. Well, I think it's it's important that we like point that out because like we're gonna have things in our wheelhouse. Like the three of us have some aspect of our fitness or nutrition dialed in where we strive for that. It's it's very effortless. But then within every human that we interact with, there's gonna be like like a point where it's like there's there's a struggle. Um, and I mean, while there's also merit and value to working on the things that we're good at to improve those and to kind of like ride that positive wave, it's also like extremely advantageous to work on the things that we really suck at. Like if, if we can, cause I know I can really relate to that uh, whole feeling of taking up space. Like even if it's just like my workouts in a gym, just like. I'm more likely to compromise and completely change where I'm working out in the gym if if I feel that I'm taking up the space of somebody else, even if they just strolled right on in there and like set up right in in my space kind of thing. I'm always kind of like pivoting and adapting. And I mean, from from like a business standpoint, um, it's it's uh, probably the better way to be like a uh, friendly, approachable, like trainer, but then from an individual standpoint, like if it was, if it was a matter of like, uh, survival, like I, I should look out for myself as well. It's super, it's like a double-edged sword or whatever, like, or blade, whatever the fuck the expression is. Like on one hand, you want to be courteous, you know? Um, but on the other hand, like, I think at least for me, like I worry and it's not even all the time it's super weird and i think about like in the gym i do that too like sometimes i feel like i'm in the way or i'll kind of like adjust my like the way my gym is set up there's like kind of like a warm-up type area which is like boxes and bands and turf and all that shit but it's tucked in behind a wall so a lot of times that's where like uh women that are getting into fitness for example like kind of because it's kind of like an archetype like 
kind of go because it's a little bit more private, so they feel a little more comfortable. So while that's like the easiest place to warm up, a lot of times if I realize it's someone that clearly isn't super comfortable, at least my perception, like I won't even go over there just to give them their privacy. On some level, I shouldn't care. Like I should just fucking do my thing and stuff like, cause I'm not bothering them. But at the same time, like, I don't know, it's this catch 22. And it's strange because I'm also not the type of dude to like not start shit with people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's super, it's super weird that like, over courteous sometimes and like other times I like it does it doesn't matter and I don't know if that's a, a me gauging like what matters and what doesn't matter it's super I've never actually thought about this till this call so that's I think awesome. I want to I want to add something uh <clears throat> to what you're both saying here I I think and I, I'm a similar way which I can I can relate there's a lot of relatedness to to myself in this situation alongside you both so you know even at the at the peak of what I would call like my competing career, my, I, I look like a different human as far as, I mean, my stature was completely different. Um, you know, obviously I still have some muscle tissue on me, but in terms of me, like walking into a space, I was much more that person that walked in with that was like, holy shit, like who the hell is that? <laughs> like, did he just yeah. get off stage sort of thing? And that yeah. was my walking around sort of, look um and so when you walk into a gym and you look like that you demand a sort of it's not that i was demanding the respect but you sort of demand that subconsciously to others where they're sort of being the courteous ones of you know it's sort of you take a a person that just got into the gym and someone like myself walking into the gym it's the it's the other person typically that's gonna be like oh my was this your bench man i'm so sorry like and you, you know, you're not even looking at the bench, you're not even near the bench, but they're just so worried um, and trying to be so considerate to to yeah. not taking your space, right? And I'm similar to that in that I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost beating that other person to it where I don't care who you are. Like, you know, you could be, you could be the, the mom who's just started to train and still just looks very confused about your place in the gym at the moment. I'm still going to be the one that's like, Hey, I'm sorry. Are you, are you using anything near here? Like, can I, do you mind if I'm, I'm here? And they're just like, you know, they look at me and they're like, I don't give a shit. Like, why are you asking me? I don't, I don't even know where I am. Um, sort of thing. And it, to me in that moment, you know, uh, Chris, when you were talking about, you know, you're in a space, you're holding a space and sort of like you're getting into your, your workout and someone sort of comes in, uh, to your, to your space and now you have to pivot. Right. And I think this is a, this is a crossroads of perceptions on both ends and a lack of communication mm. between people. And one thing that I f found really helps is one going back to the expectation of, of perception on both sides. So, you know, I'm always going to give the benefit of the doubt. It's sort of like my default that I'm going, that I live by. Uh, I, I just, the benefit of the doubt that I'm going to always give you is I'm not expecting you to be malicious with your action. Obviously some people act out of malicious intent. Sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes it's not depending on how sort of, psychopathic or sociopathic they are it's easier to tell sometimes more than others um but 
as a whole, like you, you can typically, I would say the majority of the time assume someone's not being malicious. Like they're just, maybe they're just completely ignorant to the fact that you were there. Um, maybe they just don't understand gym courtesy. Maybe they're fairly new or they've never been taught what's respectful uh, at a gym or what's respectful to how to conduct yourself within a gym setting. You know, maybe they've never, maybe the only way that someone else has acted towards them is they've been inconsiderate to them and so out of a fuck you flame, they now treat everyone else like that because either they're bitter or they just think that's how it works. Um, and so I think the biggest thing is one, having the perception that, you know, sort of giving the benefit of the doubt to someone saying, you know, hey, I bet they did really didn't mean what they're doing here. Like, I don't think they meant to swoop in and, you know, steal the machine that sensibly no one else is on and there's another one just like it over there that's they could just go to you know i don't understand and so instead of getting royally just royally pissed and either ruining your workout or theirs and or everyone's around you right depending on how this situation goes i i think this really sort of gives you an opportunity to really practice human decency and in, in communication and so it's giving them the opportunity to sort of explain themselves without you asking like, Hey, what the fuck? Um, because you know, Hey, man, uh, no, Hey, Hey, what, what are you doing on this? Or, Hey, did you need this? And, you know, give them the chance to say like, Oh, Hey, were you on this? I'm so sorry. You know, give them the opportunity to do that. You know, don't, don't just yeah. expect that they swooped in with you, you know, knowing that you were there. Um, and then if you can, get the vibe that they understood you were there, but they just, they don't quite connect the dots that this is obstructive to your day or that you're, to your session, you know, start to maybe just act as that bigger person, act as the, the leader, you know, lead by example in this situation. And again, go back to assuming that they've never been given this decency or courtesy in the past by someone else. And so teach them a new way to act, teach them a new way to be in the world and you know sort of pay this i would say pay this wisdom forward if you can to say like hey man this is this is the way you treat people you know without having to say that but like lead that lead by example and, and give them an example to to then go forward and, and live by to you know hey maybe we can work in or hey maybe maybe instead of you know if you, we can't work in together hey man there's a machine right over there you know i've already set this one up for me would you mind to go over there and if not, I can go over there, but it would be nice if you did, you know? And so it's in the quarter. yesterday, actually, at the gym, that the girl that I just used as an example that was uncomfortable in the warm area, I was finishing my workouts and I had like TRX hamstring curls, which were over there. And she had walked away for a second and I had one set left of them. And she's, then she came back, she started setting up like, uh, like kettlebells and shit, like right on top of it. And in my head, because she came across like really uncomfortable from just perception, I, I realized I only had one set left and I didn't want to like, like, oh, I, at first I thought about just walking back over and just doing it. And I, but I didn't want to make her uncomfortable. So I was like, oh, fuck it. Like I was let her have the spot. Like in reality, I should have said like, like, oh, hey, I have one set. Do you mind if I just jump in real quick and finish this up? Like that's that, I don't know why I didn't do that. I guess cause I was so worried about making her uncomfortable, which I guess is in line with like, feeling like I'm taking a space that I'm, that I'm not like, that I overcompensated when in reality, 
she she clearly had just had no idea you know what i'm saying like what she did which is cool like i didn't mind that i was just so worried making her uncomfortable i should have communicated so it's interesting that you said this literally that happened to me like 20 hours ago you know yeah and i think it happens to all of us really often and um you know depending on if you're able to go to it luckily i'm able to go to a gym mm -hmm. um it, it's a private facility so there's not too many people there and again i'm very fortunate in that regard but it still happens to me i mean i'm there with a you know a lot, there's a lot of older gentlemen that go and they're kind of oblivious to to what exercise structure is because they just do these circuits where they just do one you know one set of everything that they can see in front of yeah. them and <laughs> that's sort of how they train and like respect man but like For sure yeah to the same degree you know I, i'm having to almost you know it's uncomfortable to me to try to explain a simplistic concept to an older to an you know and my elder right mm -hmm. to 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 explain something so that's so simple to us to someone that just doesn't get it mm -hmm. um you know and you have to you're having to also play against you, the perception of you right so what i'm saying in that regard is not only if it's a if it's a gender difference they're already sort of on guard to begin with because they're probably uncomfortable to some degree whether that's you know a little uncomfortable or a lot uncomfortable um and especially if they're new right so they're probably already uncomfortable so it's yeah. not like you're going to make them uncomfortable and they weren't you know they probably already are so it's the fact of trying to again almost work against stereotypes if you can right and yeah. a lot of times we're having to work against stereotypes almost go out of our way to express ourselves in a way where it's like hey i'm not in i'm i'm in no way a threat to you i i'm you know i'm i'm actually really considerate and respectful and I, i'd really like to to earn your trust in this situation and pay this forward and, and maybe this makes you less uncomfortable or maybe this right. gives you a different yeah. perception of quote unquote meatheads. they're uncomfortable but it's almost because of the way that that stuff just went down anyway whereas talking and communicating more than likely with that one for example there probably was some degree of uncomfortable just to be in the gym period but also probably work out next to a dude and stuff like that i'm sure that there is some level of that like probably and but communicating and being a person to her probably would have made her instantly feel so much more comfortable. Yeah, and instantly. It, it's so strange how counterintuitive it is. But at the same time, when you sit down and think about it, you're like, oh, duh, you know? I think acknowledging it to begin with. So um, one, of the, one of the things that's really helped me in that regard is if I'm in a situation like that, um, again, speaking back to my current situation, you know, if, uh, I go to a private gym uh, here in where I live, and if there's a lot of times where I'm the only one there and let's say it's in the, it's in the evening. Right. And then a, a woman walks in to the gym and we're the only two in that facility. I'm very aware. I'm hyper aware of how uncomfortable she may be and how threatened she may feel in that regard. And she, it may not be that way. She may feel fine. And that's, I hope that's the case, but you know, if it, history tells us anything and um, just the social awareness aspect of living, like, she's probably in some way uncomfortable. Um, and so the, the best thing that I can do is the first meeting, the first time we make acknowledgement of both of our presence in this one space is for me to take my headphones off, acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge each other as people. And I, in some way, sort of acknowledge the fact that, you know, hey, I, I'm sort of doing, I'm in, I'm in this area today. If there's anything that 
I, it may look like I'm on it, but I may, maybe I'm not. So just let me know if you need to work in or if there's anything that I can share my share in this space with you. Um, please don't hesitate to ask or request it because I'm, I'm open to sharing. Mm -hmm. um, and so just acknowledging that up front is probably the best thing you can do in any situation, even if you're not the only two in the gym, um, even if you're just in the same area as someone, acknowledging their presence and just acting as a good human. It's not like you're, you know, virtue signaling or you know, you're not trying yeah. to act out mm -hmm. of character. Yeah. You're just trying to be a good person mm -hmm. and you're trying to be considerate, right? Because I, I used to have these observations. I kind of changed my social approach recently, but I used to have these um, observations of the week posts where in one of those observations uh, posts, I, I went over just because you are have more muscle or more training experience does not give you the right over machines over another person who may have less. Right. And so you don't own this equipment. You know, this isn't a person walking off the street into your private home gym. This is you paying the same monthly member dues to someone else coming to a space that is owned and operated by someone else other than you, right? It's not your space. You share this space, whether this is day one for someone and, or this is year seven for you, it doesn't matter. You guys are, you guys are under the same social contract mm -hmm. that they have the same right to that piece of equipment than you. I don't care if you're preparing for the Olympia. And if you are preparing for the Olympia, then you need to express. And I, cause I used to go to Armbrust in Denver, which is like, you know, it, it's sort of that um, Northwest coast Mecca. It's the mile high Mecca is what they call it. Right. And it's filled with Olympia caliber, high level bodybuilder caliber, bikini competitor, figure competitors. Like if you're a competitor in that general area, people travel hours to go there multiple times a week if they live hours away like it's a place where people just go and flock to if they're bodybuilders but there's a lot of just normal people that train there and that are oblivious to what bodybuilding probably is and so i was observing all of these things at that gym and i would see you know some of these bodybuilders were very considerate and some of them were pretty disrespectful and they would really be inconsiderate to these people who were just trying to get in there and get a good workout in before they had to go to work or, you know, after work or whatever it was. And in my head, like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, being a bodybuilder in some capacity myself and to a particularly high level, I mean, being an IFBB professional, like, I mean, be it physique, but like, it's still a caliber of like above the norm of strength trainings out there. I, I, there's no part of me. And again, this isn't saying that I'm better than anyone else. It's just you know, whether it was, I guess my parents did a good job at instilling cons, uh, considerable qualities in me, but be considerate to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm Canadian in a past life, Chris, I don't know, but you need to be considerate to others and you need to, to give them um, the respect they deserve. And if someone's blatantly disrespectful, then, you know, obviously that's open for communication, but I think what I'm getting to here is just, you don't have the right more so than anyone else. And if you can sort of tear down the walls of uh, stereotypes and tear down the walls of an uncomfortable situation by just addressing it head on, as soon as you acknowledge the other person's presence in your space, a lot of this stuff is, is really taken care of. And you probably just change the trajectory of their 
fitness journey more than you would you would ever know i love that yeah i'm gonna jump in real quick because like you guys have been dropping some good bombs today and uh it's got me thinking got me thinking about like uh how people tend to reflect on themselves and like maybe this is just my my take on it but perhaps it's something that you guys can relate to it's just like uh even in the example where like every so often i'll see in like uh a trainer's instagram story that they're like i'm gonna lift this amount and do you think i'll do it or not and it kind of depends on like that person's persona like sometimes it's just like everybody knows that person's gonna lift it and they're just trolling them saying that you're not gonna be able to but in most cases like as far as capabilities go, like if somebody puts forth that they think they might be capable of something, but they want to know if everybody else thinks that they are or not, more likely than not, like their people around them think that they are. Like if if we had a resume, the people in our midst are more likely to beef up our resume than we are. Like uh, the people that we think are our critics are most often seeing us in a positive light more so than we are ourselves like that's that's an observation that i've made lately just in my conversations with people like i mean having to like metaphorically pump people's tires like be like okay um you might not feel like you're ready but from my observations of your character and your qualifications and like what you bring to the table like you're totally ready for like that job or that challenge etc and i think as we discover like uh the value of communication and context where we're also discovering like the value of understanding like how good are we like not not to be like full of ourselves but to kind of give ourselves credit where where credit is due like because it's kind of i've seen a lot of uh canadian friends in the industry where they are just feeling completely like worn out because the tendency in this industry is to uh be everything for other people like whether that be in person or online like we we tend to um really go and beyond above and beyond for other people and we we don't always um put ourselves first and a lot of people find that and it turns into burnout and it could be like the end of their career or it could be where they start to just like project differently to the people that are in their life um i guess i'll just kind of open the table like have you guys experienced any of that in the last like year or two where you have felt that you've just dumped your bucket out and realized it through some kind of a revelation where like you're like i'm giving too much i'm not taking enough for myself like what what are your guys' experiences with that you can go awesome okay um so i i think we're all like this in a, a certain or to an, a certain extent and i i think there's probably a level of uh, there's a place or a threshold on the continuum of narcissism that we all exist upon where you probably recognize this for yourself or you don't um and i what i mean by that is basically we're all narcissists to some degree that's kind of the foundational principle of one of foundational principles of psychology. Um, we all have a, a care for ourselves to a certain degree. And if we don't, we're probably not going to survive very well in this world. Now there's a continuum that's very, very broad, right? And there's, there's a threshold at which we would openly probably label someone as like a narcissist. And I would say the we have probably all have people in mind. Um, some are leaders of 
rather large nations where we would label them very high on that continuum of the highest degree of narcissist there is to the lowest of the low of this person who is sort of has basically never had a drop in their bucket because their bucket is is, is chronically turned over and tipping out as water isn't allowed to collect at all in their bucket, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're almost the windmill, the windmill of water hits it and constantly is just churning off of it, right? Instead of a bucket itself. And the narcissist is at the bottom collecting all the water um, is kind of how I view that. And so I think to some degree, we all kind of coexist, right? In this continuum. And there's a certain threshold at which I don't think you'll recognize it. Um, and again, that's the higher end of the spectrum. But I don't think most of us exist in that. So I think most of us exist obviously below that threshold and our ability to be introspective. And I think this is a real consideration to mindfulness practice to some degree and, and, and the ability to, to be mindful of and be able to self-reflect and be introspective of whether it's your actions or your perceptions of the world or kind of that period between stimulus and effects um, occurring, right? So one really big control of mindfulness and the ability to, to practice it, or one of the biggest advantages of mindfulness is being able to have a, a sense of how long can that pause be, be between stimulus, the thing that happens, and our reaction to that thing. The longer that pause can be, the more mindful you typically are. The longer that pause can be, the better decision, more rationality you can sort of put forth, the more logic you can probably use to where you're, you're using rationality over emotion, uh, for example. So um, I think the ability to be mindful gives us a lot of tools and our ability to, to have a longer gap period in, in terms of being able to self-reflect in between something, some things or something that's happened you know, and in this scenario, you know, you're explaining, giving your more of yourself than you, you're, you're taking, right? You're giving more of your time, more of your effort. And I'd say, you know, all three of us in this conversation right now give way more than we ever, ever take. And I'd say we're always in a deficit of some kind. And to relate this back to fitness, I, I think it's important that we sort of have periodization and we have sort of quote unquote diet breaks where we get out of that deficit, even if it's just at maintenance, right? And that's typically like when you take a, a holiday, you take a week off, um, you know, you take time for yourself. Maybe you take a, even, even a day off or an afternoon off can be that, you know, whether that's a refeed or a diet break, man, like obviously a refeed would be more of a one to two day sort of like the weekend for most people where they're giving back and pouring back into their bucket after they just spent all week, basically pour, like if they had a fire hose attached to their bucket, just fire hosing all the water out of their bucket, right? Like to the extent where they can't even keep up with what they're giving away. Um, but you know, some are, some are garden hose and some are just a, sort of a morphine drip out of their bucket, right? Everyone has a different, level of give that they give to the world and those around them. And I think it's a, I think it's the ability to periodize it because I don't think there's a right answer to um, how much to give and how much to have to take back. I, I think there's a, there's an individual variability to this and 
you have to find it for yourself and you have to learn how to better periodize your life and you have to learn how to better periodize your efforts that you're giving to others or giving to the world. Um, and, and as we know within the fitness space, right? Like a proper plan, a proper program involves periodization and involves diet breaks or, or periods of maintenance and training or a period of low volume and training or something. Right. And the same goes for your life. The same goes for your, your social capabilities and your, your emotional capacity as well. So I don't know if I even answered the question, but that's just kind of where my mind went. I love how that went. Like it was a smart way of looking at it, like that we can also plan that stuff. Like we can be aware that we're, we're prone to emptying our bucket, but then plan, like, what's it going to look like when we fill that thing up? Like what, whether we have the finances or not or whatever our geography or our restrictions looks like like figure out what it looks like to fill your cup even if it's just you're gonna do a meditation themed month where you get super reflective and you don't give as many people your time as you would have during another period like there's so many approaches to it and i thought that uh structuring it was a pretty pivotal way to to see it so nick it's your turn yeah so i so right now i primarily work as like a consultant with marketing and strategy and communications and all that stuff but i think it was like march of 2018 when i was doing primarily nutrition coaching still i had gotten up to 140 clients and i was working with a company called stronger you and which i still help and with them specifically, and I don't know where this is about it coming across the shop, but it's not meant to be. A lot of people, like many macro-based coaches do, they're all great, but you know, it's just some, the byproduct of the game. The they tend to treat people like numbers a lot, and that was something that always really sat poorly with me. Like I didn't like that. Um, so I would always try to give more where those people gave less and things like that, just because I knew it would help the people. And also like, I knew that if I was a client and I was dealing with these things outside of being a few grams off my carb number, I would want the coach to notice that and say something to actual, you know, be a coach, I guess. Uh, and I got up to 140 clients and it was just way too fucking much to me. And it's, it's also weird because whenever you get to a certain threshold in terms of giving and you start to feel it, you've already far exceeded what your actual limit is. You know what I'm saying? Like there's this catch up effect where if, you know, maybe I could have handled 90 people, right? And been fine. I didn't feel it till I got to 140 people. And now I'm way the fuck too, too far. And, and that's how burnout happens and things like that. So after I started to kind of get there, like get to that point, and just feeling like way over tapped, uh, I pulled way back and I'm, I'm lucky that I can, like I'm in, a, I'm in a position where like I can take long periods of work off. So I did that and just pulled way back to kind of like, as, as Austin said, like kind of take a period of, you know, periodization and pulling back and deloading and all that stuff. But what, what was weird is I, I think like in retrospect, I pulled too far back. And I think that's kind of like a binge purge cycle of this that a lot of people like us kind of find themselves on. One of the reasons that I think people like us three and many other people like are so prone to giving more than we take is because giving to some degree also fills up our cup, but there becomes a point of diminishing returns, right? 
So what I think happened is I pulled way back. I didn't necessarily feel better. And I think it's because I vacated the thing that also made me feel good. And I think people probably do the same with their fitness where they go, you know, six, seven days a week, twice a day, they kill it for, you know, two months or whatever. And they take a year off the gym and that's not healthy. Right. Where it's in reality, like I think trying to find that sweet spot to where you do push sometimes more, you do pull back sometimes more, but there's always a, a constant flow of some degree. Um, and I think like that's a really, really important thing for people that find themselves in situations like all of us have uh, is being cognizant of how much you're giving, but not letting any kind of trauma that has come from that result in you not giving anything at all. Because giving is, is, is part of kind of who you are, you know what I'm saying? Like something you're drawn to. And if you take that away, like the whole system draws out, you know what I'm saying? So yes. that's- I think it's the level of, I wanted to add a, just a comparison there is I, I think a great way to look at that from a physiological perspective, if, if people are trying to have, or maybe having a hard time connecting those dots, it's, it's like dehydration in the, in the way that if your mouth is dry, you're not in a critical state yet, but that's sort of the first line of defense of your body telling you to drink water. Mm-hmm. And you know, from experience, if your water, if your mouth is dry and you don't have any water available, the onset of a migraine is coming very, very soon, or at least in the latter part of the day, if you don't start to drink some water mm-hmm. um, and, and some other physiological effects, right? Like brain fog and, and trouble with memory. And there's downstream effects, obviously muscle, like the uh, electrolyte imbalances and muscle cramps and all of these things, right. That are downstream effects of, of the thing that you should have recognized earlier. And I think yeah. the ability to, to really recognize things, when the first alert comes, right? It's sort of like, it's it's just that alert that's sort of, uh, let's say a warning, you know, like when if your phone sits out in the heat, there's usually a, a warning on your screen that says, phone is overheated, warning, you know, please put your phone, take it out of, you know, put it in the shade or something, right? There's a warning before that. The phone just doesn't explode. It, it gives you a warning, right? And, right. Uh, you know, before you explode, you need to sort of set up systems to g- have a warning, whether that's people around you. Like my wife's the first one to tell me like, Hey, I think you're doing, I think you're taking on too much. Yeah. Um, you know, and I hit that point. Uh, I've hit that point a lot of my, my life, but I, I've hit that point this year at different times. And um, I'm in a push period right now. Uh, and it's been really interesting, but you know, my having people around you as that alert is really important. And, you know, whether that's a partner or a friend or a colleague or someone who is aware enough and cares enough about you to, to think about you in this way or, or be concerned for you. Um, you know, typically they can, they can see things kind of like Chris, what you were saying, like they see things in you that you don't see. And typically others, when others are focused on the positives that we put out, Whereas we're mainly focused on those negative insecurities that we're sort of putting putting out into the world, right? And so we're, there's, there's a different starting line for each of us, depending on if we're sort of introspecting or someone is being reflective upon us mm-hmm. or toward us, right? So Chris, like you were saying, like telling a client, you could say, you know, have a, the most inspiring speech to a client that's all true. Right. And then they, they lift a weight 
but I guarantee you a, a day later, you came, you to some degree or some point in your life, you've done this to someone else as a trainer. And then at some point you've been in the same situation where you should have done this to yourself because you know, all these fact, all these things are true, but you probably didn't do that. You probably talked yourself out of it because you were looking at the insecurities rather than the positivities or, or negatives other than the positives. It's, it's weird so how true. we do that. Like, I, like we, how we need like someone to like point out this thing that we, we just don't see, even if we're aware that we do these type of things. Like for example, I, I, I consult a suit named Ben Johnson and he is super prone personality wise. He's very much like a quote unquote, like ideas guy. Right. So a lot of my work with him is like literally just pulling back those ideas. It's like me. Yeah. I mean, shit, you working with me. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's you like, dude, you got to... 10 ideas. Let's go with one. It's ironic that you were saying, like, that you, uh, your wife, for example, like, has to pull you back a lot. Cause from my experience with you, like, you do a pretty good job. And maybe it's a learned type. It's learned. Story. It's yeah, learned. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, you are very cognizant, seemingly, of uh, projects you take on. Whereas Ben wants to do every project. The thing is, like, and this is nothing against him at all. Like he's very creative and things like that. But a lot of ideas, people have so many ideas that they literally don't take any steps. And this is a totally different topic, but I think it's because having good ideas makes you feel like you did something. And yeah. in, a, in a way you did having a good, having a good idea is the most valuable thing on the planet, right? Like, like a truly good idea. So long as it's followed up with action. And that's kind of the, catch 22 whereas a lot of people are are hard fucking workers like you know, like i work with robbie farlow he he is maybe the hardest worker that i and this is not against anybody else but he is maybe the hardest worker i know in the fitness industry but he sometimes can like just run himself into the ground because of it and that can lead to like discouragement and things like that and it doesn't give him always a chance to take a step back and be creative so i don't know why i got on oh so like yeah so it's weird how we sometimes just need someone to give us like to work as like a North star, you know what I'm saying? To keep us like pointed in the right direction, because even though we think we're no, we know where we're going, like we just kind of start to pull in one direction without noticing it until things are too far. Your mouth gets dry. You want to blow your brains out every time you check your inbox or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that a lot of uh, good topics have been covered and I'm trying to like, get a good summary for people to get their own reflective journeys. So just like the value of context is so helpful during this time. I mean, all years, any time in life, just more often than not, when there's, when there's conflict, there's like missing context. Like perhaps somebody doesn't understand like, okay, like what was that really jacked person's first day? like or what is their personality like or how we talked about like Austin your experience with like how you can give a first impression and then how the mask can alter that or just like um how people can react to each of us in the gym versus how they might react to somebody else or just all these these different things where context helps where making or planning it's kind of like how we plan um structure to allow us to not burn out so we plan how we're going to fill our bucket we almost need to also plan how we're going to add context to the different interactions that we have throughout the day because while it might seem like a pain in the butt 
to interact more in person or like to add in the hey how are you doing to the people that we we see out and about like is is going to help us move forward a lot better and then reflecting on having like those people to to support each other like I've definitely experienced just from being a podcast host and having people to to bounce ideas off of and to have very like like this is about as real as it gets with me like if if we were talking off the podcast this would be what how I talk (laughs) so it's like um getting these opportunities to really um lean on people and um kind of bounce ideas back and forth and and get some fresh perspective and get some accountability because like hopefully people that are listening to this are like oh wow I never thought about that maybe I should plan like a a week where I enjoy my my scenery around myself or I um, change up my my workspace maybe like a person could just take their desk out onto their balcony and it would completely change their their perception of of where they are or they could i hear so much um success from people who have like a routine place that they go to so i mean mike dole is really good for this and that he will set up in the coffee shop and he's got like that skin on his laptop where it's like hey i'm mike if you're shy you can contact me here kind of thing and like i i have a client that she goes to all the same shops when she's driving around. She has a business with about 10 locations. And because of these um, planned interactions, like, hey, how are you? How's life? Like, because of that, it, it helps her business. And so whether it's for the fill our own bucket aspect of things where we want to succeed as individuals and we want people to be on board with our campaign, or whether it's for... um feeling better about what space we're taking up, like feeling better about our, uh, our space we take up in the gym or feeling better about our, our space we take up, um, with our internet connection, just all these things like context makes such a big difference. Um, context with, with mask use context with, uh, political, social, everything context matters. And I think we've forgotten as we share our social media posts and, um, quickly react to things and assume we we assume that when we see like a a physique competitor that they are rough around the edges and and we don't stop to realize that they might be an incredibly introspective empathetic person. Yeah, I think we're all we're all egalitarian um, to our core. And uh, again, like I use all there as a general statement. I, I think there's obviously outliers here and. I, I think to the core of us, though, from an evolutionary perspective, I, I think we're we're very egalitarian, especially to those within our own tribe or community. Um, and we do have to work harder, I think, by nature to be a little bit more egalitarian and empathetic and understanding of those outside of our tribe. Right. And that just means outside of our immediate community or our immediate um yeah, I guess our immediate communities and places that we we frequent on each given day, or those, like our families, or our, our workspaces, or you know, our colleagues, or the the barista that makes your coffee every day, like that's sort of your community. You're very comfortable around that. But as soon as you 
you know, go outside of that. Maybe you visit a different gym, maybe you go to a different coffee shop, maybe you, again, insert whatever you're, you're looking for, um, or maybe you're just around a different type of person, you know, different type of people who do different things or view the world in a different way. You have to go back to sort of, again, giving the, giving the benefit of the doubt and understanding that most of us, if given the opportunity, are egalitarian. And basically, that's just kind of believing in the, the, the general principle that everyone is equal and deserves equal opportunity and equal rights. That's the definition of egalitarian, and or at least one of them, at least. So it's a matter of sort of understanding that foundational principle, and it goes back to understanding that holes in your system, holes in your foundation, right, during times of conflict are your awareness of them are heightened. And I think that's, you know, touching on what Nick was talking on earlier, and both of you really, um, about sort of the, the COVID crisis and ex it exposing things that were already broken to begin with, but it just sort of heightened our awareness to the, the fragility of those things and or the holes in the foundation of our systems. Right. Those, those, those holes weren't created because of this. Those holes were more or less uh, heightened or yeah, they sort were of, there. Was, it was a spotlight. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was a spotlight over those holes in the foundation. Right. And so now clear as day, you can see the light coming out on the other side of like, holy shit, we have hundreds of holes. You know, when, if you turn the spotlight off, you just see the structure and you're like, it's a pretty solid structure. We're pretty good. We're comfortable. Everyone seems to be happy. You turn the spotlight on again and you're like, dude, there are hundreds of holes in this foundation right now. And I don't even know where to start plugging. You know, yeah. I don't know what is more load bearing than, than the other. And I don't know what's more important. Um, and it seems seemingly no matter who you ask, they, they request or advise that you start plugging holes that the other said you, you should wait on. So, I don't know what, you know, they're obviously I'm in no way qualified to give any answers, but um, I, I think it starts by listening and I think it starts by communicating and um, giving the benefit of the doubt and understanding that we're all to some degree egalitarian and do believe, you know, whether you're acting out of insecurity and or sort of respective clout that you're trying to gain by your, your immediate tribe or group we all really, I think, foundationally want the same things. And we, we want to give people the opportunities that they deserve. And we want to be equal in our, our abilities to, to give and receive positive actions, right? To treat thy neighbor as you would treat yourself, sort of golden rule. Um, and I, I think it all goes back to that. And I, I think if we're able to tear down sort of the walls that we've, we've created, um, whether it's these sort of daily microaggressions that we express ourselves with um, even chipping away at things like that that sort of tear down those walls of protectiveness that you think you're giving yourself towards the world and others around you it's just you know that's a good place to start because as soon as you start to tear down those walls a lot of people start to open up even those around you who you never thought would yeah yeah well, yeah, to kind of piggyback off that, I, I had a post the other day on Instagram where I was just sharing like a bunch of thoughts, like bullet style. And one of them was uh, 
something to the tune of like a lot of times when you're telling someone that they're wrong, like you're actually just saying that you're right. And the, one of the reasons I kind of come to that uh, thought was because like lately, it's funny that you brought up like the Kroger thing because it, I think you were being a little bit uh, um, generous when you said t- only 10% of people aren't wearing them. Like here, oh, I know, but <laughs> it's, it's pretty hot here. But, yeah. but the, the, the thing is, I would go into these places and I would put on my mask and I would see other people not wearing them. And I would get like legit, like heated in my head for some reason, like to the point where I started thinking things like, like, bro, you were such a fucking bitch. You can't put on a mask for 10 minutes and thinking these really toxic thoughts, you know what I'm saying? And I started like, start to question like, why, you know, like, why the fuck am I getting this heated over this? And it's weird because in these moments, it's really easy to justify why we're heated. Like when people are dying and we attach all this, this empathetic stuff. But if you care that much, why won't, why, like, why would not do something to help the problem? You know, whether it be like I, one of the people I saw was someone that I went to high school with and I know him and more than likely I could probably have a conversation that's done correctly to where maybe we could kind of bridge the gap. But, but then I, I don't actually care enough to do that. So why am I getting so heated? And I finally came to the conclusion, like, like I'm just going to act the way that I think I should first. And then from there, I'll try to like impact and stuff like that. And I think like, because it seems like the tone of like this whole conversation has been like being introspective and like retrospective and things like that. I think it's important to take a look at the things that are emotionally impacting you and asking why. And then, and then when you come up with your first why, which is probably actually not why you're being emotionally impacted, I would then ask yourself if like, that's a justification, like how mine was in terms of like, like, Oh, people were dying, blah, blah, blah. Like that, wasn't actually the reason. I just got mad for no fucking, you know what I'm saying? I didn't care as much as I thought I cared. Uh, So I think it's really important to be introspective and ask yourself why and see where you're justifying things. And if something matters so much, like do more, go out and do things, you know what I'm saying? Because it's going to be a healthy outlet as opposed to just bubbling up inside. Or, and probably also more importantly, like I think people should start with themselves more. You know what I'm saying? I think one of the things that I, I hate turning things political, but I'm just going to do it. Like I am liberal, but I think one of the things that attracts people to social justice is I think one of the things that attracts depressed people to social justice is it gives us, it gives really empathetic people, people that see pain and, and kind of, you know, not appreciate, but can understand it. Like it makes them feel like they're doing something productive. And in reality, a lot of times like it gives them, it's kind of like one of those uh, productive procrastination things where it lets you kind of ignore your own shit. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of depressed people choose outlets. Not always, obviously, but I think a lot of depressed people choose outlets that help others but don't help themselves. And I think it's because helping yourself is really hard and really painful. I think we kind of run from that. And I think that's kind of a challenging thing. Some people don't want to hear, but I think that's a really important thing is like, if you're not happy, you need to help yourself first. Nowadays, apparently no one is fucking happy. So you need to take a look in the mirror and like, see like, and ask yourself why. And the thing is like, once you start to kind of fix that, then you can actually help others. It's kind of like fix your own oxygen mask first or whatever. 
think I think all of us are so caught up in telling others how they're wrong and how we're right and how they should fix themselves and stuff like that that we forget that like we forget to clean our own room first i guess i think that is a uh, a big thing that i've thought been thinking about lately amongst like the real toxic environment that we've been living in lately with it which i think is also like this totally different. i think it's a byproduct of hyper connectivity i think that's a big thing the spotlight thing i think things are not worse than they were. I think it's just people talk about the bad things more. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I think like, cause we're so connected, we just don't turn the spotlight back on ourselves. But Well, that really got me thinking. I mean, I, I was so close to putting out this rant on my Instagram story last night and I held back, but this is like the perfect opportunity cause then I can like provide the context that I wanted to provide. And it's just, I see so many people wanting change and I don't see all the time the actions that it takes. And this is calling myself out too. Like plenty of times it's like with the coffee, I ran out of coffee. Well, why didn't I stock up more on the coffee beans or like so many different examples for just an action that I could have taken. And no matter how many inconvenience that inconveniences that I can list off, like there's always a solution and so i think it's a big pill to swallow for a lot of people realizing like they're in their own way and realizing that like there's no uh direct pass to go collect your 200 bucks kind of thing like you literally have to do something very difficult to get the desired outcome like no no amount of posting about a fitness experience or posting about a nutrition uh, experience is going to make the work any easier. Like when we achieve uh, personal best in the gym, it's usually the product of quite a bit of programming and consistency and adherence. And that's tough because it takes sacrifice and it takes effort and it takes um, kind of testing ourselves beyond what our perceived limit is like understanding that like that person that says that we can do it is right and it's us that told us that we couldn't do it like so often i'll work with a client and i can't lift that i'm like like hell you can like if you can do that with one leg i'm pretty sure you can do that other thing with two legs like it's so often because i do a lot of unilateral stuff with my clients as soon as we get to just a normal squat and like every they check all the boxes to be able to do a squat um and then because of the weight it's intimidating they're well i can't do that i'm like well you totally can like if you're calm and collected and you can kind of see yourself doing it you can totally pull it off and it's just um seeing people understand the effort that it's going to take to impact change whether it be in their life short term long term whether it be in like one facet of their life, like their social life or their their emotional health or their physical health, like just, I guess, like giving people that wake up call, like, hey, like you want more vacations? Set aside the, the money to take vacation or um, understand your bandwidth to be able to have like the allotted time that it takes to, to take time off, like black out your schedule for two days a week or, or whatever it takes because like um it kind of goes back to one of my my facebook posts that nick went and liked this morning which i really appreciated it was just like 
any time that I've set myself up for the next challenge, I've never been 100% ready. Like, I've I've quit a job, cold turkey, being unemployed for like two weeks. I wasn't ready for the next thing. And I kind of mm-hmm. figured it out. And I think a lot of us put ourselves in that position. And we forget, like, when was the last time we were ready to make a positive change for ourselves? Like, I, I reflected that it was like, I felt maybe 80% ready, but never more than 80, probably like 60, 70. And it's just to understand that, yes, it's been a crazy year, but it's not much different than every other year. It is quite a bit on the social connectivity. Like imagining if, if this happened and Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff didn't exist, how we would perceive it differently. Um, we probably wouldn't even be able to like bounce idea, our ideas back and forth in the same way. And so I guess hopefully uh, if somebody is listening to this whole episode through that they realize like they're probably in their own way and it's, good time to get introspective and kind of realize like if you think you're taking up space like it's okay to take up space it's okay to give people context it's okay to stop and make communication and uh, find the ways to to get through with the point and everything um something that i've been doing with my episodes as of late and to kind of keep us on track for time here is i've been getting my guests to give a challenge to the audience and so it's just like something that you want people to do and so how you're going to do it is you're going to be like your challenge for the day is list off that challenge i'm going to get each of you to do your own so i'm going to start with you austin what's the challenge for the day i think i'll build off of what i was probably going to echo uh from you both and i'd say i would i would challenge you to audit the quality of noise you're putting into the world uh, because we're all putting noise out into the world whether that's content or our ideas or our perceptions and or complaints of how things are done or how they're posed to us. And, you know, it could be audibly atrocious or it can be beautiful. And, you know, obviously we all, to some extent, love music. I love music. I I listen to it all day, every day. It's constantly on as soon as I wake up to the time I go to bed like it's just if i'm cooking if i'm eating like it's always playing i love music but obviously i choose to consume the most audibly tasteful music that to me like i don't listen to white noise all day right like i don't listen to atrocious sound and i don't consume atrocious content um you know and i i think uh you know i i I heard I was listening to the Sam Harris and Tim Ferriss podcast yesterday, and they were more or less sort of echoing a a similar point in that sort of we're all creating this noise, right? And we need to audit the quality of that noise that we're we're putting out into the world. And so if you're going to create noise in which I, I think we all to some extent have the ability to create, we all have the ability to create noise, but there's a lot of time and effort that it takes to put in um, to create quality noise. And that, that just means creating good work, you know? And so if you're going to contribute, which we all most likely are really audit what you're contributing to the world and sort of think of it in terms of how, how would this be perceived? And also is this quality, like, is this quality noise or is this just junk? Um, Is this just white noise in the background? That's just 
adding to the collective of nonsense in the world. And I think there's a similar parallel to what Nick was kind of saying in, in terms of, you know, social presence. It's like, you just feel like you're taking up space. Like you feel like you're just adding noise to the equation that just muffles everyone else, you know, and there's a lot of that going around. And so there's a lot of great information out there, but it's muffled by a lot of the noise and, you know, negativity strikes louder than positivity does. And I think that reigns true. And so audit the, audit the quality of noise you're putting into the world. And hopefully it, hopefully it does start to improve. That's my challenge. That's awesome. So Nick, what do you have for us? I get to kind of piggyback off Austin. Um, I, I used to, I used to say this thing about like, like on Facebook, you know, cause I got likes and shit, but, um, that you can improve the quality of your life way fucking faster than like a president can. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and obviously he affects you and stuff like that, but you can improve your life faster than anyone else can period. You know, even if your life is hard, you can do something most of the time. Right. I, I think a lot of times people put a lot of noise out of the world to kind of run away from something else. I think it's, you know, what we do. Um, what I would challenge people to do today is to stop and think about the thing that right now you're actively avoiding. And more than likely, like there is probably something that, that immediately comes to mind or, or a few things that do. Like, for example, I, I need to get Robbie Farlow some uh, copywriting feedback, you know, and I've been putting it off and shit like that. And that comes to mind. Um, for some people, might be going to the gym, you know, or their diet or, getting back on plan for, for Austin and maybe like right in the next chapter of his book or whatever. Um, like there's probably something like for you, uh, Christian, like it might be going and getting coffee beans, you know, like that way you don't hate your life tomorrow. Um, I would challenge people to like think of the thing that's just hovering over top of them that they're avoiding and it's stressing them out and turning and just like facing that thing. Um, maybe it's paying an old bill, you know, whatever it is, turning in your homework, actually. Uh, that would be my challenge today. And I think it kind of goes like hand in hand with Austin's, like pay attention to what you're putting out in the world. Same time, maybe take some of that time that you were spending just barking and apply to something that might actually help you. I love it. So before we sign off today, I want to make sure that the audience knows how to find you guys. So drop some some websites or whatever you got. We'll start with Austin. Uh, yeah, I, I hang out a lot on Instagram typically. Um, so just at Austin Current. Uh, you just search at Austin. You'll see a guy with a beard and just click that one. Um, I finally did change my profile picture after... <laughs> a couple of years but it, it still includes a large beard so that hasn't changed so yeah just add austin current um you can typically find everything that i do and then uh physiquedevelopment.com is my, my main my main contribution i i think for professionally um and yeah look out for uh look, look out for my book april 2021 <laughs> science of strength training um it'll be published April of next year, uh, but that's currently in the works and, and finishing up. So that's kind of my thing. That's awesome. How about you, Nick? Uh, yeah, you can find me on social media. Just by looking at my name, Nick Sorrell, S-O-R-R-E-L-L. -L. Um, mostly active on Facebook and Instagram, and then 
I use Twitter as like this void to put all the thoughts that would get me fired from any job I might have in the future, you know. Um, you can also check out my website, nicksorrell.net, where I share some writing. Um, and if you do decide to, you know, check me out, reach out, say hi, you know, be a human. And don't be like me with the woman who I wouldn't talk to in the warm area, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. So thank you guys for joining me. For sure, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Thank you.